Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Indiana Runner podcast. My name is Josh Puccinelli. The following is an interview with Lindsay Muscalic, formerly Lindsay Hattendorf. Coach Muscalic is a graduate of Chesterton, where she was a three-time top 10 finisher in cross country and two-time all-state finisher in the 3200. Upon graduation, she ran for IU, where she was a three-time NCAA national qualifier in cross country. After graduating from IU, she joined Crown Point in 2008 as an assistant coach and then was promoted to head coach in 2014. In 2018, Coach Muscalic returned to her alma mater to become the head girls distance coach for Chesterton. The team has qualified for state every year since her return to Chesterton and finished third in 2021. Coach Muscalic offers a ton of wisdom on building confidence, growing a winning culture, overcoming setbacks, and what it takes to be a head coach. I hope all of you enjoy this interview as much as I did. And without further ado, here is Coach Muscalic. Coach Muscalic, welcome to the Indiana Runner Podcast. Thank you. Absolutely. Glad you are here. Uh, so we're going to start off like we have been the past couple of uh, podcasts with a little tear talk. And the subject of this episode is going to be best pizza places. Um, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Yeah. Um, so, well, where we're from, we're close to Chicago. So I've got to give a shout out to the Chicago places up here, but I love Gino East since I was a little kid. So that deep dish sausage patty is definitely my, my go-to for pizza. Nice. Is that, so how far are you guys from Chicago? We're like 35 miles. So like a 40, 45 minute drive. Okay. And is that pizza place in Chicago? Yeah, it's in Chicago or in suburbs of Chicago, but yeah, you go downtown for that stuff. Okay, cool. Do you have a, so is that your number one? Do you have two that's others? My, or, or? My, I do. I do have two others. Okay. If you want okay. me to shout them out. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then hometown for Chesterton. I really like AJ's pizza. That's a good one. And then I don't know if you guys have tomato bars around you guys, but tomato bars, another, my third favorite. No, I've actually never no. heard of any of those. You haven't <laughs> heard of, okay. AJ's is just Chesterton only, but tomato okay. bar is kind of around in, in the region area. Okay. What kind of pizza is it? That's just regular thin crust pizza. Okay. Nice. I like it. Mine's it. My, my choices are a little more boring. Um, so my third, this is like a pizza where if I, if I want to feel terrible, terrible about myself, I'll. I'll go with this one, but it's Pizza Hut. So, oh, there you go. I know a lot of people really give it a bad rap, but I think it's pretty underrated, you know? Um, and then second, I don't know if you've heard of this one, Pizza King? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. I didn't mm-hmm. know I didn't know how big they were, but something about their sausage pizza, like they have these like little crumbly sausages they put on top and like the way that they cut it, I just can, I can eat, eat them forever. So that's really good. And then third, super random. Um, but have you been to Fork and Ale and Carmel, or do you even know? No, I haven't. No, I have not heard of that. Okay, it's like a kind of like a bar restaurant hybrid kind of thing. With, um, but they have pizza, and this pizza they have there it's called the Zinger, and it has it's chorizo, blue cheese, avocado, mozzarella cheese, and buffalo sauce. Oh, 
It's <laughs> like a heart attack waiting to happen. I know, I know. But something, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Something about it. I just, I love it. You crave it every so often. I get it. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, so those are my top three. Kind of random, but. Interesting. The Pizza Hut. I was contemplating Little Caesars because really? they're quick and and they're five bucks, you know. That's but true. Trying to keep it a little bit, you know, more expensive pizzas than five dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, so I'm going to start you off with a question kind of, I don't know, maybe like in the middle of your running and coaching career, something I've like been thinking about uh, like kind of as of late, really. So you, and we'll kind of get into this a little bit later, but uh, like you were a very accomplished and talented runner in, in high school and going to IU in college. And then you transition into uh, coaching at Crown Point. Something I've been thinking about recently is like, as you become a coach, like where, I don't know, like where does your own running fall in that? <laughs> like, did you quickly give it up? Were you willing to give it up? Like, what did that, do you still, do you still have, I don't know, do you still run a lot? Like, what did, oh, yeah. Yeah. What, what does that look like for you? So for me, when I, before I got the job at Crown Point, I was actually going to stay at IU and be a grad assistant with the hopes of actually going into college coaching. That was kind of my original goal. And then um, some job transitions had happened where unfortunately some of the coaches and my college coach, Judy Wilson, had got let go at IU um, and they brought on Ron Helmer at that time. So, you know, I was just really close to my college coach and she was the part of the reason why I was going to stay to train myself because I was kind of on this upward trend with my performances. So I nailed this job at Crown Point was kind of the next step in my, my career. Um, and I, I had a hard time. My, my college coach told me, she goes, it's going to be tough. So you're going to have to sacrifice something. It's going to be either your job, your own running or your coaching. Hmm. And Luckily for me, I stuck with the assistant job for a while and I was, I proceeded to train. Um, I ran in the Chicago marathon my first year when I got hired in whatever year that was, you have it down there, 2008. Mm -hmm. um, I was training really hard and I actually, something that you don't know is I actually three weeks before the Chicago marathon got diagnosed as a type one diabetic. Wow. Um, I had lost a lot of, a lot of weight for a runner. Um, I woke up one morning for 16 miles and couldn't see anything and proceeded to run the 16 miles because that was smart. Um, and went to the, the hospital or the doctor's office after that. And my glucose levels were almost 300 and I got diagnosed as type one and still ran the Chicago marathon and finished top 10 as a female and ran a 248. And I wow. was just two minutes off of the Olympic trials, but it wasn't a qualification year anyways. So, um, you know, I still continued to train for a few years after that, um, competitively, you know, I would find some road races that I could win and go, go run those, um, and continue to just be an assistant coach, which it worked out. But once I took over as head coach for crown point, it just, it was too difficult. And I made the decision that, you know, I'll run races when I can, I'll, tr you know, train the girls and then kind of go from there. And then I had injuries along the way because I'm not 24 years old. I'm almost 40 years old and had some knee problems and stuff. So with where I'm at right now, being 38, 
I am comfortable with my own running. You know, I'm still training for things, but I'm not out to go win prize money or anything like that. I'm just trying to stay healthy and promote the sport and, you know, show the girls that, hey, you, this is a lifelong thing. Like you can do this even after high school and college and whatnot. Yeah. So what was it about coaching that allowed you to give up running? Maybe not easily, but allows you to do it Um, or competitive running, I I guess. Yeah. It, it was just, it was a lot for me because like, I not only sacrificed, like it not only affected like my coaching and my ability to be a good coach, but like it would take on my relationship that I was in and then my working and all that kind of stuff. Cause it's a lot to juggle. Mm-hmm. Um, so something had to give and my career was more important cause that paid the bills. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I started to really fall in love with coaching. Like I knew I was going to, so it just got to the point where I was like, you know, I've, I've had a good run with my competitive, um, with competitive racing, you know, it, I just kind of made the decision. And, you know, the big thing was I, I had this, this bad knee injury going into 2018 Boston, which was like the worst year Boston had ever been. That was with the downpour and side wind and 40 degrees. And, um, I have missing cartilage in my knee. So it's torn meniscus. So it was one of those where I was like, you know, let's just run to stay healthy and, you know, help the diabetes and keep my, my glucose levels at a, at a healthy level. Mm, Okay. Uh, when did you know you wanted to, to start coaching? You said that the the original goal was to be a grad assistant and to potentially move into college coaching, but when did you know you wanted to pursue that? Um, right around. So I took five, five and a half years at IU. I I loved it so much. I didn't want to want to leave. Um, (laughs) My, my senior year, I knew that I definitely wanted to go into some type of coaching. I had already majored in health and PE at that point. So I knew, and I was going to teach it at the high school level. So I knew I was going to get into coaching either at the high school level or the college level. So definitely my senior, my first senior year, I knew I wanted to go into the, the coaching side of things. Okay. What was the, I mean, obviously like college running is a little different than high school running. Um, how did you end up at Crown Point? Um, so I'm from Chesterton and Crown Point is just like down the highway. And I know the athletic director, he, Bill DeRula was a Chesterton person. He was a teacher when I went to Chesterton. So I reached out to him and told him I was interested in the position. They were looking for a female PE teacher and he's like, apply. (laughs) So I applied and did the interview and offered me the job the next day. And that's where I started. Okay. Uh, what were those uh, early days as an assistant like? Um, that's a good question. It was a learning curve. You know, it was, like I said, I was still training myself. So it was trying to find that balance. And I was 23 years old. You know, I was still close to the some of the kids who were 18 or 17 years old. So just trying to find that balance of, hey, I'm kind of an adult now. I'm not like hanging out with you. Like we're not, you know, you had to find that. I had to learn to define that like line with the mm-hmm. girls that I'm your, I'm your coach, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I just kind of figured it out. Yeah. Hopefully See, I answered that question. No. Yeah. I, I find myself in a similar situation where I'm, I'm like still fairly young, but also a coach and assistant coach. What, what, uh, I guess what advice do you have for, for young coaches, young assistant coaches to kind of, I don't know, like you want to be, to develop that relationship with the athletes so they feel comfortable 
like if they have injuries or they're going through something that's affecting their running, they can, you know, talk to you about it. But you also want to, I don't know, you're also their coach, like you're saying, like, how do you, it's how do you a fine draw that line, line? Right? Yeah. Like they, as an assistant coach, they maybe start to look at you more as a friend um, because you are, you know, I always like my assistant coaches, even now my assistant coach is my best friend who I ran with in high school. And I tell her, you know, they're not going to always come to me because they're afraid of what the head coach might say, but they would mm. more than likely come to you. So you need to establish that relation, that trusting relationship with them. But at the same time, they need to respect you and understand that you're next in line, you mm. know? So it's hard for, I think it is difficult, you know, when you're in your early twenties and you're starting to coach, you know, you really like not saying you have to be strict or anything, but they, the girls or the boys need to understand that, Hey, I'm your coach. And I'm here for you. But at the same time, I'm not here to, to be your best friend. I'm here mm. to coach you and make you better. And, you know, it's kind of a learning curve. It definitely takes time to figure that out, especially at the younger age. And, you know, I've been doing this for 14, 15 years, and it's it's taken time for me to, mm. to learn, too. You know, I didn't understand it when I first started. But as I got older, you know, I really saw the importance of having that assistant coach being able to establish those relationships with the kids. Absolutely. So did you know, like going into this assistant coaching job, did you know you eventually wanted to be a head coach? Yes. Okay. Um, you know, my, my goal, I love Crown Point. They, they provided me with a lot of opportunities and I appreciate them up and down for everything. They started my career for me. They gave me the opportunity to coach, but I always knew I wanted to go back to Chesterton when I started mm -hmm. high school um, coaching. It took me a couple of times to try and get in it for an interview and something opened up that I was qualified for. And, you know, when I first came to Chesterton, I did, I did still continue to coach at Crown Point for a year because I, I did, I had some close relationships with a couple of kids and they were seniors. So I, I wanted to finish them out. Um, and then I kind of transitioned over to being at first the head track coach. I wasn't supposed to be the cross country coach until that coach had to to leave because her husband took a position in August and then I mm -hmm. stepped in. So it kind of, it all fell into place. I knew I always wanted to end up at Chesterton. Um, I just have really strong ties here and I wanted to bring the program back to where it once was when I ran back in high school and it's a process, but you know, we're getting there. Yeah, absolutely. I would say so. So when your time at, um, at Crown Point, knowing that eventually you wanted to end up back at Chesterton, how are you able to, I guess, like stay patient and prepare for the opportunity you're in now? That's another good question. <laughs> um, you know, it was one of those where like, I knew, like I was hopeful that eventually I would make it to Chesterton, but I was also very content at Crown Point. You know, I, I didn't know, like, I was in between like limbo kind of where I wanted to go like points like cause I'll be honest like the winners here are awful um central Indiana and south of, you know the southern Indiana they don't get the winners that we get here we get this lake mm -hmm. effect snow and it's awful and <laughs> you know I even contemplated going to a warmer state you know so it was mm -hmm. never like I didn't know when I would make it to Chesterton, you know, before Chesterton had even opened, I was thinking of going out to Arizona because I had family out there and I started the process of getting my license transferred out there. And, you know, I just kind of, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. And I saw this school counseling position open and I thought, why not? I got my master's in it. 
um, and it opened and I interviewed for it and started out as an elementary school counselor. Wasn't planning to really coach just yet, um, but then it kind of, I was just patient and it all worked out for me because the, the AD at Chesterton at the time was also the AD when I was in high school. So we, you know, he knew that I always kind of wanted to get back and was trying to help me get back to Chesterton. Cool. Uh, so as what, what exactly was it about Chesterton that like brought you back? Obviously like you went there. I know you mentioned like restoring it to the, the tradition that it was when you were there. Uh, what were some other things that brought you back to Chesterton? You know, it's funny you asked that. If you would have talked to me in high school, I would have said, I'm never coming back to Chesterton. This place is awful. <laughs> it's so boring. You know, there's nothing to do here. But I was also 18 years old. And as I, I got older, um, I still had family out here towards this area. Um, I just, I appreciated it. You know, I have friends here. You, you really start to immerse yourself in the community when you're older. And, you know, as I even say to the girls on the team who don't want to be in Chesterton anymore, I say, this is really a good place. Like, yeah, it's smaller than maybe you want, but everything that we have, this, this is what a community really feels like. And just coming back to the community is what I, I really enjoy. And I enjoy knowing people and it's been, it's been nice being back here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so a lot of like Indiana is, I mean, it kind of makes sense is like centralized around Indianapolis. What is it like being up north? Do you feel like neglected at all? <laughs> the region? Yeah. Um, you know, it's at times we do, you know, a lot of schools and a lot of, you know, when people move to Indiana, they typically, you know, they move to central Indiana. You know, um, we do have people come in, you know, we have people who live in Indiana, but work in Chicago where we're at, but we just don't have the same population size as central Indiana does. Um, so yeah, there's sometimes when the region feels a little left out, but you know, it's, it's, you know, Northeast Indiana probably feels left out and Southern Indiana feels left out. We're just, you know, we're, we're like the smaller schools when comparing sizes to those indie schools. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so go, going back in time just a little bit, uh, what was your time at Chesterton? Like, um, yeah, those four years in high school, what was that like? Oh man. Um, you know, they are, those four years at Chesterton are definitely some of my greatest memories that I have. I have with running. Um, my assistant coach was my teammate and to be able to bring her back on with me, you know, we always, when I started at Crown Point talked about if I ever get back to Chesterton, you know, I want to, you and I to coach and, you know, it'd be so awesome dream team kind of thing. So it's cool to see that. Um, but my four years, they, I loved high school. I had a great time in high school and, you know, we had crazy training back then, back then we, we would pound out 50, 60 mile weeks. Like it was no problem. We would do wow. two hour long runs all for a 4k race back then. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's like the stuff I remember. And like, we laugh about because some of the training that God love him, coach Kearney, if you're listening to this, this is your shout out. Some <laughs> of his training was, was crazy, but I believed in it and it, and it worked for me every single time. Hmm. What are some things that you took, you know, from your time in high school that you apply now in your own coaching? Um, there's some things that I've learned. Um, <laughs> I learned the importance of like structure, like coach Kearney, he was great, but sometimes structure wasn't his top priority. Whereas 
for me, like I really thrive personally off of having structure and organization. And <laughs> that's something I've kind of instilled on the program and with the girls. So that's, you know, one thing I've yeah. learned, <laughs> but you know, like I also learned like how to really like push myself and coach Kearney was a great motivator and stuff. And I learned some stuff from him about motivating and just how important it is to make connections with the girls on the team. You know, I'm, I'm a big relationship person and mm. being there for the girls. I think that really makes a, a team thrive. So he really, you know, instilled that on me and I have him to thank for that part too. That's awesome. Uh, so you, you had a lot of success in high school and, and in college as well, even after college. What is it like, I don't know, being a competitive and like talented runner yourself, coaching like the best girls and then also, you know, some of the worst girls on the team? Like, how do you, I don't know, how do you manage that? How do you? Oh, I'm crazy. That? They know that. They, um, <laughs> I, no, I'm not really crazy, but I, <laughs> I treat them all, I treat them all the same. You know, I, mm. I don't play favorites. Uh, whether you're the first runner or the 35th runner, I, I'm going to have the exact same expectations for you. You know, obviously I'm not expecting the 35th runner to be able to run with the number one runner, but I'm expecting mm -hmm. them to come in and, and work the same at their ability, the best that they can. I expect them to go to the races, have the right attitude, work hard, you know, and then just hold them accountable. They, they've joined this team for a reason and they're here for a reason. So I'm going to push them to, to be their best, not just as a runner, but outside of being a runner. Hmm, definitely. Um, so back a little back in time again, uh, when did you know you wanted to, to run in college and how did you select IU? Okay. That's a good one. Um, I actually never planned on going to IU. I wanted to really? uh, go to Arizona state. I talked, I started wanting to run, um, after my sophomore year, when I finished eighth in the state meet, I, mm -hmm. I knew that's something I wanted to do. I'd been like a, in middle school, like a basketball player. Um, and then I started cross country in middle school, was pretty good at it. And then, um, really started to understand how, how good I could potentially get in, eight, in sophomore year. So sophomore year, colleges started, you know, sending those letters out. And I knew I definitely wanted to run in college. And like I said, I, I never considered IU. Um, if my, my coach will listen to this at some point, but <laughs> she doesn't believe this happened. But senior year at the state meet, this was back in the day when they gave popsicle sticks and <laughs> you know, would write your, right where you were at on the board. There was nothing digital. And she had written me down for ninth. And I went up there and I go, I finished, you know, I was like, I think those places are wrong. And she's like, what are you talking about? And she kind of yelled at me and she goes, what place did you finish? I go, well, my popsicle stick said eighth. And she's like, Oh, eighth. And I'm like, yeah, eighth place. And so she, um, then by senior year, she actually called me and we hit it off really well. And to this day, she's, she's my best, one of my best friends and was just a, a great coach to have for myself. That's awesome. So what, what happened with uh, Arizona state? Um, they never contacted me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they gave, they gave me a letter, um, you know, and I filled it out and stuff, but the coach that um, was coaching there, I think it was Walter Drenz actually ended up leaving and he went to Michigan state at that time. So you know, he, he was a coach I was looking at, I was interested in running for. Um, so like I said, everything happens for a reason. So it all kind of worked out in the end. So going to IU was, was the right choice for me. Absolutely. So your time at IU, what were some of the, the highs, the lows? Um, yeah. What was that time like? Um, you know, a cool thing was my freshman year coach. So 
step back senior year of high school IU was like bad like they either finished last in the Big Ten or second to last in the Big Ten and she had nabbed Jessica Gall who won state and cross country um we graduated together and Jess was my good friend. Um, she nabbed her and then Jess got me on board. She's like, you got to look at IU. Then we, then I committed. And then coach was able to get a couple other girls that had placed well in different, um, in Ohio and stuff. And, you know, that year, our freshman year, you know, I think it was IU still, IU's highest place finish. We finished 14th um, in the nation that year with, you know, three freshmen on, on the top seven. So that was, that was a big high. Um, and then personally on individual basis for me, just finishing, you know, and being all big 10 in cross country and then making it to the national as an individual was, was pretty cool for myself. Um, that was the big highs, you know, big low for me. And just like anyone that has experienced injuries, um, my sophomore year mm -hmm. of college, I was pretty much plagued with, two stress fractures throughout the year, you know, contemplating transferring, not because of coach or anything, just in a real low place, wondering if running was for me. Mm. Um, and then, you know, junior year, I took, I still ran and stuff, but I took some time to mentally get myself back into it. And then by my first senior year, you know, I just started to, to really excel and finishing up there and being all big 10 and then rolling it into track and posting times in the all-time top five, you know, so it, it all, it all worked out in the end, but definitely that low of stress fractures and wondering why this is happening to me when I do everything I'm supposed to do. Yeah. What, what brought you back? What, yeah. What relit that passion? Um, you know, I, junior year, I, I was kind of in a low spot where in the summertime, I didn't, I didn't really train. Um, I didn't cross train. I was sick of going to the pool because I'd spent all of sophomore year spending two hours in the pool, doing aqua jogging. And it was just a lot on me mentally. And mm -hmm. I allowed myself to gain some weight, which, you know, I, I, I don't like to preach, you know, runners having to be a certain weight or anything like that. But I was, I was heavier than I normally was. And, you know, I struggled to, perform how I had before and coach and I had a real heart to heart about it. And she's like, you're, you're talented, but you know, if, if you want to do this, you've got to, you've got to change a couple things. And luckily I went on Christmas break and really thought about it and found that spark again, and then came back in January, just dropping times and getting faster and getting more fit and, you know, mm -hmm. staying healthy and stuff that really helped. Yeah, absolutely. So then after graduation, you joined Crown Point as an assistant. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think you'd be doing if you weren't like teaching, counseling, uh, and coaching? Like any, like no coaching at all. Uh, like if I wasn't going to be a college coach. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not. Oh, if I wasn't going to be a college coach, I have no idea. That's a really good question. I didn't have a backup plan other than education. Okay. You know, I always, my major went in as elementary ed and then I switched to health and PE. Um, you know, definitely probably would have stuck with something fitness wise, whether I went into like exercise science and then pursued like being a PT or an athletic trainer. I think I would have always been involved with sports in one way or another. Just, I don't know to what extent. Okay. What, so you're, you're currently an elementary counselor. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you were a PE teacher. Yes. Okay. How are those different? 
and like in relation to coaching and just oh, well one the age group um i work with kindergartners to fourth graders okay so it's a lot of hugging and <laughs> you know having fun with them and teaching them how to behave mm-hmm. um you know sometimes i got to do that with high schoolers but you know the i it's it's similar in that like they want someone to look up to but it's mm-hmm. also the the maturity level and like their behaviors and how where they are at you know developmentally academically and socially mm-hmm. is definitely different yeah yeah I bet um what is it like so like you're going from counseling during the day to then after school coaching how do you like how do you leave like school at school if that makes sense Really, do any teachers really, I don't think anyone really leaves school <laughs> at, at school. You know, right. it is nice that like I, I'm i in one building and then um, I get to come to a different building with a different a different age group. I think it would be a little bit more difficult if I was at the high school, not difficult, but I would be bringing work from the high school if like I was the high school counselor into practice. Whereas mm-hmm. here, like I have the time to just kind of drive to practice and just think about what happened during the school day and think, okay, I'll, you know, we'll take care of this tomorrow and then kind of change my mindset to, to go into practice mode. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So in 2014, you take over crown point as a mm-hmm. head coach. Yes. Okay. So. Okay. <laughs> uh, what was the transition like from being assistant to head coach? You know, that was, that was another one where I wasn't supposed to take over necessarily. I had, um, I had had foot surgery and I couldn't actually run for about six months. So it was kind of hard being a, a head coach and not being able to run with the girls. I'm, I'm a big believer in that the coach should be able to run with the girls. Um, I think it's important for, for me to be able to run with them or my assistant coach to be able to run with them because that's, that's a lot of the times when we're out there for a while and we can connect and have conversations mm-hmm. and they vent to me. Um, so it was, it was difficult for me when I first took over to not be able to run with them and just kind of sit at school and wait for them to come back. Cause I couldn't really ride a bike at that point. Cause I was in a, in a boot. Um, but so yeah, the first year was, was a little bit difficult, not like harder, you know, maybe I shouldn't use the word difficult. It was just different because I was so used to being able to run with them. And now I, I wasn't able to so it wasn't an ideal situation like I would have liked to have maybe waited a year but the two assistant coaches were still young um and not in a position to really take over yet as opposed to to me being able to take over okay um so then in 2018 you moved to Chesterton is that right Mm -hmm. yes okay so how's your how's your time back at your alma mater Ben um I love it um I'm so glad Chesterton gave me this opportunity to, to bring me back. Um, it's nice being in the community and people being excited to, to, to see me here and to see Nicole back coaching together and seeing that, you know, we're, we're, we're doing our best to try, try and bring that team back to, to where it once was, um, you know, and just continue to improve the program and build the numbers and build the feeder programs here at Chesterton. That's kind of our, our big thing now. So it's been, it's been awesome. And I'm, I'm so grateful to, to be here. Yeah. What are some of those keys you think to building the, the program back to where it was? Um, it's all about culture, 
right? Mm -hmm. It, I think it is helpful that the head coach and the assistant coach were here and they, they understand it. And there's now parents that understand it because we kind of graduated together or, you know, we aren't too far apart and they just kind of know the history of Chesterton. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of, sorry, I'm forgetting the questions as I'm, I'm rambling a little bit here. No, you're good. You're doing um, great. No, it's fine. It's, it's been good though, but like, you know, I, I talked to the girls a lot about what, what Chesterton was when I first took over and how, you know, I even preached to the parents when I, when I took over that my goal is, is to bring it to where it was. And, you know, the buy-in is huge. The, mm. the parents and the, the girls from when I took over, they, they bought in right away. Um, and then they started to see, see the success. And just like with any program, there's ups and downs, but it's still, you know, putting your heart and soul into it. And hopefully the parents and the girls see that that's what we're here to do to try and make this the, the program that it was. And I think we're definitely going in the right direction and it's, it's going to just take time. So any of those coaches mm -hmm. out there that are listening, wanting to build the program and, and, you know, make it successful, just remember it does take time and it starts with mm -hmm. building that culture of wanting it to be like that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Uh, what is it like being a, a woman in a mostly male, male dominated top. space? Yeah. You know, I've never, I never considered myself a feminist, mm -hmm. but I, I see definitely how it is more male dominated. And, you know, there are very few female head coaches in, in Indiana and the, the ones that are like Whitney Bevins, you know, her and I talk from Westfield and stuff. And I think it's important for female coaches to be able to have another female coach, head coach, to be able to talk to about it. But, you know, I, I put myself in there too, because, you know, us females, we, we've been there too, you know, luckily Whitney's run too in the, the college level and the post-collegiate level. So she gets it too. And we've got, we've got some experience as well, you know, so it's, it has its moments where it's a little bit more difficult as a female, um, but it's also, it's also rewarding when we see each other be successful with the teams. Yeah. It's, it's cool to, cause I, um, interviewed Whitney as well. And it's cool to see you guys support each other. And I don't know, like you're, you definitely belong in this space and you guys are doing both doing awesome things for, for your teams. Thanks. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, is there anything else, uh, either your time at Chesterton, IU now, coaching for crown point and chesterton is there anything that we missed anything you want to want to talk about before we go to coach's corner oh what's the coach's corner should i save what i want to save for the coach's corner um it's oh, just yeah a... i might want to i might want to save what i um have to say yeah we okay. can go on to the coach's coach's corner all right okay so first question what would your advice be to assistant coaches how can they best support their team and their coach. Uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit, um, but then also how like assistant coaches who eventually want to be head coaches as well. What uh, advice would you say to them? You know, for the assistant coaches, learn, learn as much as you can, um, you know, really take in and observe what the, the head coach is doing. Don't be afraid to, to talk to other assistant coaches or other head coaches with their programs about what it is that they're doing. If that's the step really want to take is moving forward into that head coaching position. And, you know, I will tell you transitioning from an assistant coach to a head coach is, is way different. Um, I've done both you as a head coach, 
don't get to be so much as that fun, outgoing, you know, not buddy, buddy, but more relaxed as the head coach, the head coach just has a lot more responsibility. So if that's the the route you want to go, just make sure switching from the assistant to the head coach is something you really want to do because it is a little bit more demanding. You have more managerial stuff to do than you, you realized. And sometimes you don't get as a head coach, get to coach as much as you want because you're dealing more with parents or, more behind the scenes stuff, which can sometimes take away from the fun of being a, being a coach. So just make sure it's definitely something you want to do and learn as much as you can. Mm. Uh, that's really good advice. Um, I like that. Uh, what would your advice be to young head coaches starting out making that transition to, to being a head coach? Good luck. No, um, <laughs> get out. You know, you, you, you are young and you just, you need to remember that, you, you, you have to be more, more mature, not saying you aren't mature, but as a young coach, you know, one, one thing, like even for me as an assistant, you know, I wasn't perfect. No one is perfect. And sometimes I, I did things that maybe weren't the most mature in a, in a coaching position. So it's just making, making sure you have that maturity when you are, and especially if you're a head young coach, um, really establishing those boundaries and lines with your athletes to let them know that you you are the head coach and you are the one in charge. Mm. What would your advice be to coaches of girls programs? Different than coaching boys programs. No, um, <laughs> of girls programs, you know, girls really thrive on, in my personal opinion, making connections, um, having that team bonding, that team chemistry, that is more important to them than I think than the running itself, knowing that they're, they're cared about and that you essentially love them. Like that's, that's what they want to know. So I would encourage coaches to really, really focus on the relationships that you form with every single girl, not just your number one or your number seven or the varsity girls, but make sure you make all of those girls on the roster feel included because five years from now, you don't want them to be like, Oh, so-and-so that coach didn't care about me because I wasn't mm. the number seven runner. You want all of the the kids, especially the girls to really, to care about you. And, you know, that's not to toot my own horn, but to toot my own horn. That's one thing mm -hmm. that I feel like I do a good job of is just really making those connections with the girls. And, you know, I've got girls that are 27 years old now, and we still talk, we talk on the phone and, you know, get invited to their weddings and stuff like that. Mm. And that just shows that, the relationships we we made you know have been meaningful for them mm -hmm. so is that is it like a mindset that you take on or is there events that you put on things that you do within practice that really facilitate like that culture that you're describing I yeah you know something I I try to make sure to do is like I try to talk to everyone on the team every single practice whether it's just a couple sentences you know I think team camp when we go on our team camp that is really the time, you know, for me to have individual meetings and then throughout the season, still having individual meetings with the girls so that I can check in with them and they, they know that I'm still thinking about them, you know, and that I care, you know, and I try to go to things that they organize, you know, I'm always at the pasta parties because I like to eat that, that stuff. <laughs> um, but, you know, if we plan something fun in the summertime, like someone has a breakfast over at their house, like I, I'm going to be there. 
you know, if something's important to them, like they have a show choir or something outside of school, you know, I try my best to make it to those things mm. um, just to kind of support them outside of just running. Mm. I love that. Yeah, I, I totally agree that culture is, is everything really. Like yeah. even just thinking about my own running, looking back at my time, like I don't necessarily remember like the races or the, the times, whatever, but it's like the moments with, with my teammates, with coaches. Yeah. I think that's super important. Yeah. It's, it's some of the best memories, you know, everyone, people that are listening, you're, when you think of your memories, if you were an athlete, you think probably of the times on the team. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Uh, What is it, or what does it take to develop a winning culture? (laughs) Million dollar question. Should ask Columbus North and all those teams that, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, You know, I think, to develop a winning culture, I think it all comes with attitude and expectations and how, you know, having confidence, not just coaches having confidence, but the girls having confidence and just building that and talking about that and not being afraid to talk about what it is that you really want to accomplish on an individual and a team basis. And, you know, obviously winning, winning is fun, but letting the girls know it's not just about winning. It's about seeing those improvements and it's a, it's a process, you know, it's not all about just the, the state meet or making it to the state meet, you know, it's, it's the journey that unfolds from summertime till the end of the season, till the end of their running career. You know, it, that's to me, like a winning culture is just really trying to build the program and, you know, having goals and trying to achieve them, whether it's win or lose, or just trying to have the girls improve is for me, a winning culture. Mm, that's awesome. Uh, is there anything else, uh, advice to, to coaches, to athletes, to anyone that you'd like to, to end on? Yeah. Um, I got one last thing. I was thinking about this today when I was reading through, through the questions and, you know, I was talking to the girls about this today that, you know, our sport is, our sport's very unique in the sense that when that gun goes off, your goal is to, to run as fast as you can and to run for your team. And I think sometimes kids are afraid to take a chance and mm. put themselves out there because they're afraid of failing. And the problem is, is you won't, you won't regret trying. You'll mm. regret not trying. So, you know, my advice to all of you athletes is take a chance, especially when you're getting ready for this postseason. Now I'm not saying go and go and lead the race because more than likely that's not going to to end well, but really take a chance and, you know, try to stick with your teammates and run out race outside of your comfort zone. Because as a, as a former runner um, and I've done it, I've raced outside my comfort zone and I've seen the success that can happen with it. Um, Take a chance and go for it. You've got nothing to lose and just do your best. Mm, I love that. I think it ties back to the the confidence you're talking about when developing that that culture you want to develop. It it is to really go for it could be scary and takes a lot of maturity and courage to, yeah, to really put yourself out there. Well, cool. Uh, this is awesome. I, I don't know. Well, I, I've, I've loved doing these. I feel like I'm getting like a master class in, in, in running. There you and go. Well, I, have, I know who, you know, recommended me. So I got to give a shout out, even though we're rivals, I got to give a shout out <laughs> to Falpo coach Don coach Dondo, mm-hmm. um, you know, 
he's he's a great guy. We're good friends. So I'm I'm glad, you know, he mentioned me and you guys gave me the opportunity. I've been looking forward to this and, you know, hopefully we get some listeners. Yep. No, I think we will. And I definitely see why he recommended you. I think like right yeah. after I posted the the first one, he he messaged me. He's like, you have to get her on here. So Hey, I said I want to recommend him for the mic mic up night, but I don't think the mic up meet thing, but I don't think he would be <laughs> too thrilled with that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Awesome. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. And you know, good luck to everyone that's listening. Have fun, you know, enjoy it. Yep. Awesome. Until next time, guys. Thank you. All right. Have a good one.